Democracy. Five and five. Threatening freedom. We fail and freedom fails. Welcome to GMF's Out of Order podcast. I'm Paul Costello, program manager at the GMF Cities program based in Berlin and your host for today's program. For this episode, we'll be talking about the role of cities in international affairs. While most people think of and hear about national governments and foreign ministries when talking about international affairs, there's a lot happening at the city level. Cities are not just necessarily involved in addressing some of the global challenges we face, such as climate change, but they're also engaging amongst themselves on a wide range of topics of global and local importance. The GMF Cities program has been convening a new network of city directors of international affairs over the past few months to explore these topics. So I'm very glad to have two members of this network with us here today to help us understand what international engagement is like at the city level. We have Dr. Gabriele Goldfuss, Director of the Office of International Affairs for the city of Leipzig in Germany, and Ambassador Henri-Paul Normandin, former Director of International Affairs for the city of Montreal in Quebec, Canada. Thanks to both of you for taking the time to be with us today. And to start off, why don't you tell us briefly, what do you do as City Director of International Affairs? Gabriele, why don't we start with you? Hi, thank you, Paul. And uh, hello, uh, Henri Paul. I've, I'm happy that we meet uh, here on uh, video, as we do very often uh, recently. But this also uh, has proven to be quite a good means of uh, continuing our work and even explore new possibilities of cooperation, meeting new friends like the two of us who have uh, met in the new network of GMF. But uh, it's the first time that we have this kind of private conversation and I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Um, yeah, uh, city directors, they have a lot to do because uh, international affairs not only uh, deal with citizens' involvement, with climate action plans, with culture, but also mobility, foreign direct investment issues are also very important. And of course, politics on the German side, there is the, 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 the German federal government, of course, which is one of our main partners, but also the EU and And many uh, programs which are relevant to local governments. And uh, so this is a very, very interesting field we are dealing with. And uh, therefore, we are kind of uh, busy seven days uh, per week, uh, 24 hours. Well, hello, Paul, and uh, very nice to be together with you and with uh, Gabrielle this morning. A real pleasure to exchange uh, on uh, city diplomacy. So Gabrielle already uh, covered uh, the ground. Uh, if I had to put it in just a few words, I would say that we are a little bit like a mini Ministry of Foreign Affairs inside the city. So we deal with a range of substantive issues from urban planning to economic development to climate change. And we entertain links and networks uh, throughout the world, bilateral and multilateral as well. And on top of that, we also do the uh, the protocol work. So so it's a com combination of all of this. And, and really, it's pretty much like if we're a, a little Ministry of Foreign Affairs in a, in a city. Interesting. And a lot of the work and some of the things you've mentioned are about sort of learning from other cities and sort of bringing knowledge to, to other cities or sharing with others. What about your city's international aspirations? So what is it that your cities are, are trying to achieve at an international level that really made them decide that they needed to have a, a director of international affairs or an office of, of international affairs? 
Oli Paul, why don't why don't we start with you? Well, it's a combination of things. And first and foremost, you put your finger on it. We're here to serve our citizens, just like a, a national government with its foreign policy and foreign affairs work. Uh, a national government is there to serve its citizens. Well, for a city, it is the same thing. And in Montreal, when we formulated our, our objectives and our strategy, we put at the very center that our top objective was to improve the quality of life in Montreal for Montrealers. That's that's the essence. So from there, it leads us to engage in a, in a range of activities. For sharing best practices you just referred to is very fundamental because we want to improve our city. So we don't have to reinvent the wheel all the time. We can learn from others. We can get ideas from elsewhere and ad adapt them to our own city. So that's one thing. And, and further, we also do some innovative things in Montreal, which we are ready to share with others. So the whole practice of sharing best practices is very important. Beyond that, it will come as no surprise, of course, that we also do a lot of economic development. Uh, so attracting investments and trade and so on. So we do a lot of that. But the, the other uh, point that I would like to highlight, and that may surprise some, uh, some of the audience, is that we also work a lot on global issues because global issues are also local issues. Let me take the most obvious example, climate change. In Montreal, like in other cities, we suffer from the impact of climate change and we need to address it. So we may take some local measures and even reduce our emissions to zero. Still, we will suffer from the impact of climate change because of emissions happening elsewhere in the world. So if we want to have an impact in Montreal on climate change, we have to engage globally so as to influence the other actors and reduce emissions in other places. So that's a very concrete example that illustrates why we get involved in global issues and we are more and more active on uh, those issues and we can talk about that later as well. How about for Leipzig? Why is it important for the, for the city of Leipzig to have a director of international affairs? I think Leipzig started as a trade fair city almost um, a thousand years ago. The trade fair has more than 800 years of history and therefore trade has always gone beyond boundaries and has always engaged people from all over the world to, to work together and to, to exchange, to work also for the better of their respective communities. And uh, this uh, basically has never changed. The DNA of our city is still an international DNA And whether it is in the field of the economy, in culture, in music, or in the field of science, we just couldn't continue uh, to be innovative, to unfold uh, the, the, the true potential that every of this institution has uh, without uh, exchanging cooperation, without reaching out to partners all over the world, uh, getting in their knowledge, offering them our solutions. And uh, I think the key uh, factors of uh, today's challenges worldwide are played out at the local level. And therefore, this is exactly where we have the chance to meet and to exchange and uh, to to discuss directly and on long term uh, and in a sustainable way these these challenges. 
And then, as Henri Paul put it already, it's of course to serve our citizens and all these institutions, but we also exchange with other cities because we see where we can join forces, where we can work together. As, as European cities, we have to work together to raise our voices uh, in Brussels, to uh, interest the European Commission in our point of view, in, uh, in, in shaping the programs uh, to ultimately again serve our citizens best and of course uh, as far as the global challenges are concerned the sustainable development goals of the UN are now the basis of our uh, common work of the cooperation which we have the transatlantic or the uh, cooperation with East Asia and we cannot uh, change uh, the, the, the world as a single city but uh, if we all work together the majority of people today live in cities, then we will definitely make a difference. And if I can add to that, uh, Gabriel just referred to the uh, Sustainable Development Goals. I think that's a great example because the, uh, the international community set up these goals. Of course, it was mainly set up by, by nation states, the member of the United Nations, but cities influenced somewhat some of these SDGs and for sure the implementation of the SDGs cannot depend solely on national governments. All levels of government have to be involved including cities in addition of course to civil society uh, and other organizations but the implementation of the SDGs will not happen without amongst others the involvement of cities. Let me take one other example Uh, of a global issue, which is also a local issue, that of uh, migration. Uh, you know, it, it's, a, it's a, of course, an international phenomenon. And where do migrants go? They mostly go to cities. So in real terms, cities are players, like it or not, cities are players on issues of migration. They may not decide who gets into the country or into the city, but migrants end up there. So... A few years ago, when the, the United Nations decided to develop a global compact on refugees uh, and on migration, uh, as cities, we thought, well, this matters to us. We are actors uh, and we want to be part of this. So basically, we sort of pushed our way in uh, the negotiations. We were rather well welcomed, I must say, because many national governments and international organizations acknowledge that cities have a role to play. So we managed to influence somewhat the, the discussions and now we're involved in the implementation mechanisms. So that's another example uh, that illustrates how local issues are also global issues and vice versa and cities have to be involved. And, and let me just add that sometimes on these issues, especially if they are very controversial, cities sometimes have different uh, attitudes and different policies from our national governments. And therefore, it is also very uh, important that we exchange, that we know our uh, respective points of view and that we then, if we really join hands, then we can uh, bring our opinions, our knowledge um, into the discussion and onto the level of the national and of the global policy making because uh, as 
For example, as you brought up the issue of migration, that's where the laws then are made and that's where the, the global perspective is still shaped. But uh, we need to be heard and we need to bring in our knowledge and our perspective because sometimes this is uh, uh, not the, the perspective some of the national governments have and share. Yeah, that, that's great. You both covered a lot there, but I'd want to focus a little bit on what you both just talked about. Could you share a little bit more about how your cities have engaged with other cities to either lobby national governments or across borders with other cities internationally to really put forward and advance your city's position on, on issues like migration or, or climate? Sort of, Has it been smooth and easy to do that? Has it been a, a big challenge? How, how have their interlocutors, national or international, kind of looked at cities in, in these areas? Because I think it's, it's an area where cities are, are having a growing role and it's somewhat new, this, this type of interaction. In our case, it has been a rather positive experience, but as a, in terms of collaboration with other levels of government. But as a general proposition, looking around the world, I would say that it's very uneven. In Montreal, we start, as in many other cities, we start from the point of view that as a city, we're, we're independent and we will carry the, you know, the, the, the foreign policy and the international relations that we want. This being said, whenever we can coordinate with the national government and in our case, the provincial government, we do because we come out stronger. It so happens that currently in Canada, you know, the, the stars are rather aligned in terms of political orientation between our city, the provincial government, the national government. By and large, we're on the same wavelength on, on a range of issues. So whenever we can work together, we do. But if it turns out that on, on an issue or another, we're not on the same wavelength, then we will take our own way. Let me take, uh, let me take one, one very successful example, the, the issue of biodiversity. It so happens that the three levels of government here uh, want to move ahead, not, not only nationally, but internationally on those issues. So the city of Montreal has taken a leadership among cities. The province of Quebec has taken uh, a leadership among subnational governments and the uh, national government, the federal government, is actually co-negotiator of the outcome uh, document of the, 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 the upcoming COP15. So we decided to work together on, on this issue and, and we're moving forward locally and internationally. A counterexample is what happened with climate change in the United States. Uh, in the last few years. As you know, the national government took a certain direction and the cities decided to take another direction. They were at odds. So these are examples that show that sometimes national and uh, governments and cities can work together in the same direction, but in other instances, they will take different paths. Fascinating. And Gabriela, are there examples in, in Leipzig where sort of this type of engagement with other cities and other, other levels of government has been easy or particularly difficult? First of all, I'd say that our um, federal foreign service is very much interested not only in working with us, but also encouraging us in bringing up our own topics um, in working with other cities. For example, uh, nowadays the relationship uh, with Turkey is not very easy on the national level, but with the cities you can have a more direct conversation and uh, on some topics like, for example, women's rights, uh, we can act together 
because we both are of the opinion that uh, we still need uh, to enforce this dimension and the, the Istanbul Declaration for Women's Rights, for example, the national government withdrew from this, uh, but we still are encouraged by our federal government to even strengthen now the city-to-city -city, uh, cooperation, bilateral or multilateral, to uh, support uh, the majority of people living in the cities who, of course, don't want uh, their government to withdraw, but uh, they in that we need to continue to work in this respect and same is for example in what we do uh, on the level of networks so it's not just the bilateral or multilateral cooperation the sister cities or the project partnerships but it's also our daily work in networks one of the most important networks in Europe is Eurocities it's a network of about 150 roughly big cities on the whole continent it's beyond the EU and for example Our mayor is a vice president and we are on the board of uh, the network for many years already. And for example, we mentioned earlier already migration. So there is the deputy mayor for social affairs. He was chairing the social affairs committee and throughout the network, we really worked intensely, especially with the cities in the southern part of Europe, like Barcelona or the Italian cities, on the concrete measures and challenge, daily challenges of migration, especially, for example, in 2015, when there was this really huge uh, number of people coming from both Africa and, and Syria. It still continues and we still have to look for proper ways to respond to the challenges. But uh, throughout the exchange of knowledge, we can manage better to find appropriate solutions. Thanks. I think that that example of, of Turkey and, and women's rights is a, is a great example of sort of cities upholding values-based exchanges when, when the relationship between national governments is deteriorating or not, not able to uphold yeah. that. Also, LGBTI, for example, is another issue now uh, heavily debated with our Polish neighbors and national and government and also some regional uh, positions differ widely from most of the the bigger cities attitude to this and so for example we have sister cities with Krakow and we have a cooperation partnership with Gdansk and they now and even installed a commissioner I would call it a commissioner for LGBTI which is completely uh, contrary to what the national government does And once. Speaking of sort of changes or disagreements in national governments and, and cities upholding exchanges and, and relationships, maybe uh, Gabriel, you could tell us a little bit about your impressions and experience of the, the transatlantic relationship at the city level over the past years, since we've all experienced how these have changed notably during the Trump administration. How has this sort of endured or, or been maintained at the, at the city to city level from your perspective? I have to say that it hasn't changed much during the Trump administration. On the contrary, we felt the the need on the side of our U.S. partners to uh, to reach out to us to talk uh, about concrete ways of cooperation. We are twinned with Houston in Texas, and therefore we really could concentrate on issues like water management, uh, of course, some cultural exchanges and economic partnerships, but we also uh, tried to debate and to concentrate on the climate uh, change issue of our cooperation. 
And the same with other cities like Boston, for example, there we have a very strong cultural bridge uh, through the two orchestras, which are conducted by Andres Nelsons, and they are really twinned in an, in an, in an extraordinary way. And the German government created a, a special year of Germany in the US and helped us with a lot of money and ideas to even strengthen our partnerships and also re strengthen partnerships that our universities had, that uh, the civil society had with other cities. So on the contrary, the Trump years basically uh, showed us once again what the power of city really is. Great. Henri Paul, even though Montreal's ties to European cities wouldn't directly be affected maybe by by the Trump administration, but it still surely felt in some ways or, or in relationship with, with U.S. cities maybe. What's your take on the transatlantic relationship and, and or U.S.-Canadian relationship over the past few years at the local level? Well, it, it, of course, we entertain relations with uh, with both European and uh, and American uh, cities, and they have not been really affected by by national politics anywhere. Actually, there was one impact of the uh, recent uh, Trump administration in the United States vis-a-vis uh, -vis our, our linkages. It's probably that it has contributed to strengthen them to some extent because uh, many American cities got to realize that on a number of global issues like climate change, like migration, they had to work with other cities more so than with their national governments. So it, it, it contributed to strengthening, actually, the links between us and a number of uh, American cities, particularly on global issues. That's interesting. It's it's. Fascinating to hear how sort of deterioration of relationships at certain levels can lead to to them being strengthened at different levels. And you, you know, Paul, we do have our own agendas and within the framework of, let's say, living democracies, it is possible to use the space and the power that we have to continue uh, these agendas and urban development, for example. That is something which does not just happen in, in one year or two. We A few years ago, or many years, I have to say, uh, many years ago, we were working on issues of shrinking cities with cities in the US. And uh, today this, this process has already been reversed. And now we are talking again of how we revitalize, how we face a fast growing population, what are the impacts on our urban mobility, on climate, how we can deal with migrants, how we can, for example, make use of urban agriculture as an instrument for integration and so on. So these are topics that need to unfold uh, for many, many years and uh, until you harvest, so to speak, some successes. It's, it's much longer than just one term of a, of a certain administration and even uh, two terms are not enough. So it needs 10, 12, 15 years until you really f f uh, see the results of urban development projects. Yeah, couldn't agree more. And I think that uh, Leipzig, as a as a longtime participant in our previous uh, Dialogues for Change programs that that the German Marshall Fund is, has been running together with the German Ministry and Gateshead and in partnership with HUD, is a good example. Henri Paul, you've been an ambassador for many years and deeply involved in in traditional diplomacy for a lot, if not most, of your career. Now that we're talking about kind of these different levels of, of exchanges and relationships, what do you think is the difference between traditional diplomacy and, and cities' international work? 
Well, I see first and foremost a lot of similarities and then two key differences. And the similarities are many. Like for a national government, a national foreign policy, for city international relations, you have to identify what your objectives are, what your strategy will be. In, in concrete terms, you develop policy positions, you develop networks, you participate in international meetings, bilateral, multilateral. You even handle protocol issues and all the politics that may come around it. So a lot of similarities. The toolbox is pretty much the same. And honestly, my workday as a diplomat for the Canadian government and my workday as a diplomat for the city of Montreal was pretty much the same. The two key differences are the following. First, diplomacy for cities is optional. It's not optional for a national government. By definition, you have to be involved in international relations. There's no way out. For a city, it's optional. I would say that wiser cities do get involved in international relations because it can bring useful things to their citizens. But a city can very much go by, or a mayor can decide to go by without getting at all involved in international relations. I would argue that it's not a wise choice, but it's a choice. You can do it. So that's the first thing. Uh, international relations and diplomacy is optional for cities. And the, the second difference is that as a city, in, uh, particularly in multilateral affairs, you always have to fight for your seat at the table. Obviously, it's not the case for a national government. You walk into a UN meeting, <laughs> there's a, a seat and a plaque in front of it that says Canada or Germany or whatever. It has to be filled, even, even, though, even though maybe you don't want to participate in this specific meeting. So, But for a city, in the various configurations of the UN institutions and other multilateral institutions, You have to find your way in, you have to get your seat at the table, and it varies a lot from, uh, from one organization to another. So those are the two major differences. But I would say on the whole that there are many more similarities than differences. Gabriele, what do you think? Are there things that you notice as different or surprising when you interact or, or hear from diplomats? Have you noticed a change throughout your career of sort of the the level of attention or interest paid to cities at different levels of government? I think that the level of, of attention has uh, risen. We are much more into a partnership now on the same level as we were, let's say, 10, 15 years ago. I think uh, diplomats are extremely open to, to our suggestions, to, to, to work together, to really build projects together, which is nice because sometimes it's also a question of resources, both human resources and, and, and financial resources. And if you can complete those, especially over a longer period of time, you sometimes it's even the city that can put in more, more resources than, the, than one specific uh, consul general for example sometimes it's the other way around for example if there is a big national policy like the Germany year in the US of course there was a lot of money from the from the German government and uh, we could not have afforded uh, all those projects without their support so uh, so it's it's quite wise to to try to work together as much as possible we are always 
thrilled, for example, when one of the, the German diplomats goes out to one of our sister city where we have either an embassy or a consulate and they say, hi, Gabriel, I want to meet you first before I go there because I know that the relationship between the city where I'm deployed to and, and, and your city is really very close and I need to know the, the, the actors before I go. So this is always a very, a very nice moment in my uh, <laughs> day, in my year. Yeah, in my career, I don't know how to how to phrase this best. But um, uh, on the other hand, I think uh, Henri Paul, uh, as a real diplomat, <laughs> already described fully the advantages and the differences. I would say about the optional factor that uh, sometimes that can be an advantage because when I have trouble with some partners, I can reduce the level of my attention and maybe invest more of my energy in, in other partnerships that seem to be more promising or where I have more support on my region, local and regional level, whereas as in on the national level, you always have to deal with the people, even if you don't like them. <laughs> We have a little more possibilities, uh, I, I see, which is also a weakness, of course, because the, the, in the last consequence, it means that maybe that it is less important. I don't know, maybe Henri Paul, you want to, to develop that. Specific. Let me tell you a little anecdote. Uh, Gabriel, you talk about the fact that uh, cities are, are more and more uh, welco welcomed and paid attention to by embassies and international organizations. So let me tell you this little anecdote. When I was serving as Canadian ambassador at the United Nations some 12 years ago, one day the then mayor of Montreal came to the UN and he asked for a courtesy meeting with me. So I, I was a little surprised and my initial reaction was what actually is the mayor doing here at the UN? But in any case, out of courtesy, and it's my hometown, so I was very pleased to meet with him. So we had a meeting, we, you know, we had a nice chat and we talked about various things. And as soon as the meeting was over, in my traditional mind of a diplomat, I thought, okay, well, let me now go back to my real serious business. Well, that was 12 years ago. Things have changed and cities have gained more and more attention. In French, we would say, ils ont pris du galon. And now when cities walk in, in an embassy or at the UN, well, people pay more, pay more attention. And not only that, but I, I would, from this anecdote, I would also broaden uh, on, on a more substantive issue as well, is that cities now participate more and more into major multilateral meetings. So, for instance, in the last two years, the UN, uh, as part of the General Assembly in September, two years ago, held a meeting, a major meeting on climate change. Uh, then last year was a major meeting on biodiversity. Well, in those two instances, the one-day uh, high-level meetings, mayors were represented at that meeting. It so happens, I have to say with a little bit of pride, it so happened that they were represented by the city of Montreal in both cases. But uh, walking with the mayor in New York in a major uh, United Nations meeting with heads of states, heads of government, is something that we would not really see in the past, but nowadays we see. There's been a increasing attention on both sides of the Atlantic recently on the sort of the importance of strengthening democracy and with the announcement of the Biden Democracy Summit. What do you see as the role of cities in, in strengthening or weakening democracy for that matter? Well, um, cities are the cradle of democracy, I think, as 
that as far as I still remember from my history lessons in school. And uh, it's always uh, in the cities that major changes uh, have been made. Uh, today, we are reminded everywhere of Napoleon because it's uh, the bicentenary of his death. And uh, a lot of discussions take place about what was the positive, what were the negative effects of, of his government. So revolutions, major changes in society, they all were triggered and made possible or, or then also put into practice first and foremost in, in cities. And I think this will always be the case. Uh, Leipzig is the city of the peace, so-called peaceful revolution of 1989. This is where the people first gathered in St. Nikolai Church and then went out to demonstrate, which after that was then echoed in many other places in the eastern part of Germany and which ultimately led one month later to the fall of the of the Berlin Wall and uh, we still so for Leipzig uh, the battle cry of democracy and human rights is what ultimately motivates us in all our international but also local activities and we also in this pandemic We want to convey to the people that although maybe some of the measures that we take are not so popular and that we have to cut on maybe some of their, of their rights uh, for a certain time, but the basis on which we work is, is transparency, is justice and uh, is democracy. And only within this uh, framework can we act as, as cities and can we unfold our true potentials. Gabrielle reminds us that democracy was born in cities. We can also add that diplomacy was born in cities because cities existed way before nation states and cities conducted diplomacy way before nation states. But back to the issue of, uh, of democracy per se, one of the reasons why uh, democracy has been weakened in the last few years is that citizens do not have confidence that they can influence the course of events. Well, in cities, citizens are much closer to uh, their leaders and to their local government. So cities are a place where actually citizens can more effectively influence what is going on around them. So if they can practice that at the city level, maybe that can strengthen and reaffirm their confidence and their faith in democracy more broadly. So I think that that's in particular where cities can play a, a useful role. And just Thanks. an example, maybe, uh, to what Henri Paul said, many cities nowadays already have what we call youth parliaments. So this is something which we still lack on national level. The young people, of course, they influence our course of policy a lot, especially the recent Fridays for Future movements, but uh, the, the, they are not represented properly in the political processes and uh, in legislation. So in the cities, we have already changed this and now fully installed uh, youth parliaments that can uh, act and decide in the same way the normal uh, uh, parliaments uh, do and uh, I think this has been a great uh, move forward in teaching young people that from very early on they are responsible for what is going on uh, in their city and that they can change and make a difference if they really invest their time there. 
Thanks. On that optimistic and, and hopeful note, I'm going to have to wrap up the conversation. It's been fascinating, um, but we're going to have to leave it at that for today. But we look forward to more conversations about cities and, and international affairs. I want to give my thanks to both of you for taking the time and hope that you enjoyed the conversation as well. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Out of Order, a German Marshall Fund podcast. The show is produced by Zachary Tarrant and me, Sydney Simon. This podcast is part of the Democracy Group.